This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to the fourth edition of the 2019 Jets Offseason Roundtable. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. Leading off the roundtable today is somebody I'm really pleased to have on because he's a longtime veteran of Sports Talk Radio and a really smart one, too. I always say that a lot of times Sports Talk Radio kind of bothers me because it caters to the lowest common denominator, but this guy does not do that, and he's managed to be successful in the industry anyway, so he's a marvel in a lot of ways. Glad that he's able to come on. He's a veteran of WFAN locally in the New York, New Jersey area, but also you can hear him on CBS Radio quite a bit. Mr. Chris Moore. Chris, what's going on, man? Scott, good to talk to you, brother. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I heard you on with Joe Caparoso on the TOJ podcast, I was like, wow, I got to get Chris Moore on when we do these roundtables. And that's what we're doing right now, the 2019 offseason roundtables, because I really loved your perspective. And I, I like listening to you on the radio, but it was really interesting to hear you in the podcast format, too. And you had opinions that were very different than a lot of the talk radio people. A lot of them were touting Mike McCarthy and they were big on the guys with experience, but you seem to, as you always do, think a little bit differently, think outside of the box. So let's start with that and the hire that they made with Adam Gase. What are your thoughts on it? Well, as you know, Scott, from listening to me and, and um, you know, who knows who's right and who's not, but when you have a, a franchise like the Jets and there's a lot of other ones that have uh, obviously struggled as well, um, you, you're trying to change the culture first you know it's it's like not even football first it's this is the way we do things first and i my concern with that of gase is as a leader of men which is more important that's my bias you know i want a leader of men of 53 men i mean of of whatever the roster size is that year man i don't want a quarterback whisperer and i think that we've put so much emphasis on darnold which is you know it's fair and it I mean, look, it's it's the way the game is right now. They're doing the same thing with Allen up in Buffalo and Baker Mayfield and to some extent with Lamar Jackson and perhaps Rosen bounces back. But we need the next wave of quarterbacks, so I understand it. But I want a leader of a football team, and I want a jet way. You know, I mean, I think that they they don't have an identity as a franchise to me right now. They are unquestionably, like the Bills and Dolphins, by the way, uh, no excuse, but just happens to be a fact, they are just another football team. There are 32 of them, and the Jets, Dolphins, and Bills can all be looked at as, you know, just other football teams, ways to fill out the schedule of the teams that really know what they're doing. And someone's got to come and change that. And I have doubts as to whether Adam Gase has the personality, the skill set, the leadership skills, to turn that organization around and get them to believe that there is a pride in being a member of the Jets. So my biggest concern is not his X's and O's or whether he is a great tactician or whether he has some tricks up his sleeve that are going to make him valuable, because my guess is he does. My guess is that he he did do something with very little down there. He did squeak out some wins and some competitiveness out of a lousy roster. But I'm not looking to go 8-8. Eight and eight. You know, I mean, I think the big problem for a lot of us is, you know, and across New York, it's this way. You know, you look at the Knicks, what do you want them to be? You look at the Mets, what do you want them to be? So as you look at the Jets, you're thinking, you know, hey, if they could win seven games next year, that'd be great. Well, that's not how I look at it. You know, this league is full of teams that have gone from worst to first. I think there's been at least one every year since 2002 in the NFL that's finished fourth in the division one year, and the next year finished first in the division. So I think Jeff Vance should be holding the team, holding the bar a little higher. I should, they should be asking for a little more. And, and Gase, to me, is going to have to show me. But so is all of the management, right? So is Nick Cagman, so is Johnson, whether it's Woody or Chris. You know, it's easy to be pessimistic when you've, you've never been fed. You know, other than the Rex Ryan success uh, that that he captured that seemingly was not going to last and didn't, and he was never hired again as a head coach. I mean, other than that, we haven't gotten anything. You know, we haven't been fed anything that makes us optimistic. People ask you all the time, why are you so pessimistic? Why are you so down on the Jets? Because they haven't proven yet that they know what they're doing management-wise. And who hired this coach? 
two guys I don't trust. So that's where, and it's a long answer, but it sets, I think it sets the listeners up for how I view this whole thing. You've got to show me something, that you're adept at something, that you're good at something, that you're proud of something, and that you can get players that are proud to play for the Jets. And to me, they're going to have to show me before I'm going to believe it. Chris, you mentioned the fact that you don't necessarily trust the guys that hired Adam Gase. One of them, of course, Mike McCagnin. One thing that struck me when I was listening to you on the Turn on the Jets podcast with Joe Caparoso, and by the way, if you haven't listened to that episode, you should go ahead and check it out. This was before Gase was hired. You had said no matter who they hire as the head coach, the pressure is going to be on Mike McCagnin because whoever it is that comes in to lead this team, McCagnin has got to provide him with better players. So with that being the case, do you think that they made a mistake keeping Mike McCagnin here based on what he's done the previous couple of years that he's been here? Right, but like all Jeff fans, we can't do anything about that now. But if you're asking <laughs> right. whether, yeah, I mean, whether they, they made a mistake, I, of course I believe they made a mistake. I think his drafts have been really, really shaky. Um, you know, guys that they tried to get us excited about, Devin Smiths and, and Hanson and DeAndre Jordan and a million guys coming along. And, uh, you know, they haven't drafted a skill position player on offense in forever until Sam Darnold. I mean, it's just been unbelievable. While the league has gone to offense, the Jets haven't been able to get a skill position player that they're excited about. Herndon looks like he might be pretty good. So maybe they maybe they stumbled upon that, or you give them credit for that. And I have no problem if Herndon ends up being what he showed flashes of, of patting him on the back and saying, nice job. But they need a lot more of that. They need, uh, and, and as I said about McCagnin, with the money, the input on the coach, and obviously the draft, all the pressure is on him because, you know, his his probationary period with Jet fans and with ownership should be over. I mean, it should be over. And uh, we can only hope that, you know, that he has a great draft and they make some great decisions. But, yeah, I believe that, that um, look, I believe we didn't see Todd Bowles coach very many big games. Uh, I was not a Todd Bowles believer. Uh, he did things that I didn't like. But he, he didn't have a chance to make very many big mistakes because they didn't play in big games since the Buffalo game at the end of the season four years ago. They didn't play in big games, and you could say the same about Adam Gase. Um, I, you know, give us something. I mean, give us a game that's a big game in December. You know, we need this game, and we're not even at that point. So it is, I think, uh, it is something that we do too much of is overestimate the coach when we're not in position to compete uh, physically uh, with the talent that you're going against. and. You know, that's got to change first. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> then all of a sudden the coach becomes very important because now you're in the game with two minutes to go. You need to win. So does the other team. And these decisions are the ones that we remember. So what we hope for more than anything is to get some memorable decisions from Adam Gase because that means we're in big games. Because there's not a lot of people that can look back on the Todd Bowles era and say, well, remember when he did this in game in week nine? Remember when he did this in week 14 against no, we didn't have that. We didn't get that because the games weren't that important. So, yeah, he might have done some stupid stuff, but it didn't really matter because whether you finish 5 and 11 or 4 and 12 or 6 and 10, it's pretty much the same to the fan, especially the fan that's going to listen to a Jets podcast. You know, they're, they're not interested in 6 and 10 or 4 and 12 and the difference between the two. They want to be competitive and have big games to get excited about. So, when they settle in front of the TV on Sunday, you know, it's, they've been thinking about it since Tuesday because it's a big game this weekend. We've been cheated out of that. So, you know, I think Jeff fans have a right to be angry. I think they have a right to be pessimistic. Um, and I applaud you guys. I mean, you and Joe and and really podcasts in general. Uh, my boy Mike Carver does one for the Islanders. And I just think it's great for the fans to have this type of insight. You know, mine is more general. I'm not going to talk to you about what free agents they should sign or what, you know, first of all, I don't know well enough how a guy will come and perform here. And secondly, that's what they're paid for is to make those big, important decisions about who to draft, how to construct the team, do all that stuff. And you guys delve into it so well that I enjoy listening uh, to it just to learn myself. 
about you know the intricacies of it and and the percentages in terms of salary cap. What should we be spending on wideouts? What should we be doing about pass rush? You know, uh, I mean, all those things come into it. But again, what are we back to in those decisions? Mike McKeck. That's where we're back to. He's the one who decides how much money is spent on wide receivers. He's the one who decides which free agents are worthwhile, how long their contracts are going to be, what their upfront bonuses are going to be, what salary cap hit they're going to take. So make no mistake, it's not close. McCagnan is much more important to the Jet fan than Gase's. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I've said for a while that for as bad of a job as Todd Bowles did last year, and don't get me wrong, he did a terrible job as the head coach, that was maybe at best a six or seven win team that he coached to four wins. So even if he was a really good coach, there's not a ton more that he was going to be able to do there. So like you said, McCagnan is an incredibly important person because if this team is going to have the talent to compete and like you said, have important moments in the last two minutes where the coach becomes a major factor, they're going to have to add a lot more talent. So let's talk a little bit about free agency. You mentioned that you don't know for sure who could succeed here or what the right circumstances will be, but let's just talk about this from a general sense like you were saying. Position-wise, player-wise, and we'll save Le'Veon Bell for the end, who are some guys that you think the Jets should really take a long look at and what are some of the holes they should be looking to plug in free agency before we get to the draft? Well, assuming, assuming now that Herndon is the real deal, that's a big help for them, something they haven't had, as your listeners know, Forever, You know, a tight end that they can rely on that can make plays is something they basically ignored. I mean, it, it really bothered me forever. Uh, they ignored it. But I don't think that, you know, I think we tend to overrate our own players. We want to be optimistic. You know, people talking about Robbie Anderson, Quincy Inunua, Curse, who I, you know, I don't think will be back. I don't know. Uh, you know, Sharon Peak. I mean, there's just... There's just a very pedestrian look to the Jets. And, look, is Golden Tate the answer? I don't know. I mean, we, we know that there's not a lot there in terms of free agency and the wideout, and we know that there's probably not in the draft a uh, wideout that will go in the top ten picks. So, you know, spectacular talent, game-changing talent. But I do believe this, uh, Scott. The game is going to continue to focus on offense. People want, you know, to think that, oh, the pendulum's going to swing and we just had a low-scoring Super Bowl where the defense really came through and, you know, uh, it'll get back to defense again. I don't think it will. And the reason is fantasy football is gambling and is the success that the league is having uh, by being more entertaining and more uh, wide open in its current rules. So I don't think we're going back to a, a time where defenses are going to rule and having the best defense means you have the best chance of a championship. That said, I hope their focus is on offense because, you know, you look at Brandon Shell, and you look at Herndon, and the running backs to me are all interchangeable. Crowell looks pretty good to me when he's healthy, but he's hardly ever healthy. I'm not an Elijah McGuire guy. 
I'm not. Uh, Trent Cannon is still to be determined. I hope he's on the roster. I hope he has a shot. Um, Bilal, again, I think he's near the end. I don't know what the point is there. So I guess what I'm saying is, as I look at uh, what they're going to do, I, I just think skill position players, which they've been unable to draft, is first and foremost to me. Get Sam Darnold a reason to be optimistic and whistling in his car when he's driving to practice. That's what I want. I want a happy Sam Darnold. So if I'm Mike McCagnan, uh, that's what I'm thinking. You know, I'm thinking we're going to build an offense that's tough to stop. And we'll, we'll work on our defense as we go along. And, and there are more pieces on the defense that are acceptable to me, but I need to build an offense. I can't, I can't play like this. And I'll tell you what, I, I'm a big believer in the intangibles. When you, or a defensive player on the Jets, and you look at the offense, and you think, we we are. I mean, we we really don't have players on offense. That hurts the whole team. That hurts everybody involved. I'm a big believer that one side has to believe somewhat in the other side and uh, in order for a team to be successful. That's the challenge for Gase, and that's the challenge for McCagman, to me, is to get this offense to a place where Nobody wants your players. I mean, that's how I value players. Does anybody want them? If you put Robbie Anderson out there right now, what, what would he bring back? How good is he? If you put Crowell out there or Powell out there or McGuire out there or uh, Jermaine Curse out there, what would you get back? And, you know, if your honest answer is not much, then you're answering your own question. And that's how I always tell people that call in and ask me about people calling, you know, about the Mets. Wilmer Flores, they love Wilmer Flores the last five years. I said, what could you get back for Wilmer Flores if you think he's so great? What do you think he's going to bring back? And then they're all, well, I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's your point, you know? So to me, that's a realistic way of looking at a player's value. And they clearly don't have enough players offensively that anybody else wants. So that's job one to me. Yeah, no question about it. I think a lot of fans kind of overvalue their own talent because they don't think of it the way that you're thinking of it right now, which is, okay, you take this guy and you compare him to other players in the league at that same position. And what- ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. What is he thought of by other general managers? What would his value be to them? What would they give up to get them? I think that's a fair way. That's the mm-hmm. fairest way to get your bias out of it. Because I, I don't have any problem with people being optimistic as a fallback. You want to talk about how great Elijah McGuire could be or what, you know, you really like Elijah McGuire. I think people told me Hanson was going to be good. People told me uh, DeAndre Jordan was going to be good. Uh, a lot of us thought Devin Smith was going to be good. I mean, so it, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. But at some point, you've got to come to the realization that, hey, you know what, I thought that this guy was this, but as I look around, you know, if you listed him with 10 other guys, where would he be picked? You know, if I gave you a list of 10 running backs, where would Elijah McGuire go, you know, in that in that list of 10? So I do think that that's a good way to, to hold yourself back from being unrealistic because if other GMs don't want him or don't covet him, then you've got a problem. And they're not going to covet every one of your offensive players. But the Jets really, I don't think, I think there might be a market for a new one uh, out there, and obviously there would be for Herndon out there. So they need to have a much bigger group than that, and it's got to start as soon as possible. You can't keep putting it off. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. 
free agency is where I would assume you'd really want to make your bones as far as offensive skill position players because in the draft, you're not looking at being able to get one until probably the third round unless you trade down because all the best players in the draft seem to be on the defensive side of the ball. There are a couple of offensive linemen too. And that brings us to our next question. With the draft, with that number three pick, what would you be looking to do there? Any specific players you like? Would you be looking to move down? And are there any positions that you'd be looking to address in the draft that you might not be looking at as much in free agency? Yeah, I mean, given the depth of the draft, the outside pass rusher, which is in such demand now in the league, and and um, rightly so, uh, plus the ability to move laterally with these guys who are so athletic and big now. Um, I would love to, to see them do that in the draft. As to moving down, I think they all, you know, I think all Jeff fans want to move down because they know how thin they are uh, in so many places and how far away they are from being competitive. So, you know, a lot of great praise was given to McCagnan for moving up three spots and giving up three twos in the process. I wasn't one of those doing that great praising. I'm still not sure Josh Allen isn't a better quarterback than Sam Darnold. I'd like to pick a Darnold, so I'm not here saying, oh, you know, they really screwed that up. Not at all. But I do think they paid a bigger price than other people think I'm definitely on the other side of that because most people are very pleased about what they gave up to, to move up and make sure that they got Darnold. But I don't, you know, I, I look at the offensive line as being a little scary. Um, center is obviously scary. That's a long gun. I mean, I, I'm looking at, you know, uh, at some concerns there. I'm obviously looking at running back. Uh, and in terms of free agency, I think offensive linemen, would be where I would definitely spend some money. I, I look. I think if you if you've decided as they have that Sam Darnold is the face of the franchise, and as Sam goes, we go, and our emotions go, our confidence, our swagger, our identity is wrapped around this twenty one, twenty two year old kid. Now, uh, as that has become the mantra, you need to make the kid. You know, you need to make that work. So everything that you do early with important money, to me, is built around making that work. Because I, I realize that nobody wants to be a sieve defensively. And no one wants to lose 43-40. But let me tell you something. Right now, Jet fans would take losing 43-40 and going next year into a more... Uh, defensive-oriented pursuit. This offense needs to be fixed first and foremost. It's an offensive league. Offense sells tickets. Offense creates buzz. Offense creates juice. Offense is where the game is right now. And they are, to me, pathetic offensively. I mean, they're a pitiful offensive team. So uh, my money is all spent uh, on the on the offensive side of the ball at the expense of the defense, you can't have everything you want, and they can't fix this in one year. But let's let's build something that Darnold is proud of, and therefore that's where my money would be spent on the offensive line, on a wide even Golden Tate. I think would be a welcome addition. And you know, you talk about Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I don't love that kind of money either for a running back. But you know, it's just too many people saying. Well, look, they found Kamara, and they found this guy, and they found that guy, and, you know, this guy's a third-rounder, and that's fine. But has McCagnan shown the ability to find that guy? No. So, Levian Bell's not a question mark. Finding a guy is. So, even though I normally wouldn't want a Le'Veon Bell in a perfect world, if I had a good GM that I trusted, for the Jets, I'll take any proven commodity I can get. So, you're all for paying Le'Veon Bell? Pretty much with this with this general manager, because I don't think he can find somebody without him. Because <laughs> I don't think he can find somebody without him. Otherwise, I would If I had faith in my general manager, I would not be for Rocky Lopez. I don't care running back public school. I don't. But the circumstances are what they are. As you said, we have to get, you know, we have to move past McCagnan. We have to move past the fact that some of us are disappointed in case, and we've got to look forward. Otherwise, there's no point in having these conversations. So, you know, with the parameters that are forced to us, yeah, I take that down. 
I think Le'Veon Bell is an interesting situation too, simply because a lot of people say you can't pay a running back that much money, and normally I would agree, but as you said, Chris, they desperately need an infusion of elite weapons. They have $100 million to spend, and more to the point, what people don't realize, a lot of people that don't watch Le'Veon Bell on a regular basis, he's basically half running back, half wide receiver. Yes, very critical point, and again, to Sam's uh, psyche and Sam's confidence and Sam's swagger, which I want him to have, quiet swagger. Uh, I think that you must, you must, as an organization, show him and show your fan base that you are serious about getting him all the weapons to make him successful. If you're going to build around him, we love you, we're going to build around you, and what you went through in year one is an anomaly. It's not going to be who the Jets are. So that's what I want them to prove to us and more importantly to him because it's going to be very difficult for him to develop well if they don't give him anything to make him feel good now and then when he walks off the field. And that's my concern. They've got to fix that. Chris, what about the trade market? There have been rumors about one of Bell's buddies, Antonio Brown, being available from the Pittsburgh Steelers. A.J. Green from the Bengals might also be available. Now, keep in mind, both of those guys are over 30. They're both expensive, and they're going to cost draft compensation. But are those potential moves you would look at making? Again, Scott, don't we have to trust management in these situations? In other words, it's easy for us as fans to say, boy, I'd like to see A.J. Green or Antonio Brown play here. But I, you know, like I'm already concerned, and this is related. I'm already concerned with Jamal Adams' free mouth out there. As great as he is, and as much as he's easy to root for, and you wish everybody hated losing the way he hates to lose, because that's what they've got to infuse there too, is a hatred for losing, because right now they don't have it. I don't want him out there mixing it up with who we want, who we don't want, being on social media. To me, it doesn't really reflect well on Jamal, and more importantly, it doesn't reflect well on the Jets. So can you? my point is, can you control Green, and more importantly, uh, Bell? Can you, can, or uh, uh, Brown, can you control those guys? Can you bring them in as teammates? You know, like uh got in this discussion the other day, and it's similar, so I'll bring it up quickly. Kyrie Irving and Kemba Walker, now that the Knicks have made their change. Kemba Walker is a much better teammate. Kyrie Irving's a better talent. Which one do you want? You know, would you rather have the teammate uh, that's a little less skilled but still very good? Or would you rather have the talent who stirs the pot a little bit, you can't trust as much, but is more talented? And that's for fans to decide. But I think... I want some control, and again, this comes back to leadership. I'll take a Brown, um, uh, Antonio Brown, or a Green. If you tell me that they're going to be good teammates, good team players, I'm going to keep their mouth shut and be professionals. But I can't guarantee that that will be the case. And if I don't sit down with them and tell them this is how we're doing it, this is the Jet way, then then it's riskier than I want it to be. And as you said, it's very expensive, and they're over thirty, so. You know, I, I, <laughs> no one said McCagney's job was easy. It's not. I mean, there there's a lot to it. But, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to answer would I want brown or green because I need to know that guys are going to be okay if the situation isn't great. Like, what happens if we're not great? You know, we start two and five. Am I going to lose the guy? Is he out? Is it like... You know, he's going to now be a burden the rest of his career. I don't want that. So that's why I say the job is tough. But do they need that kind of talent? Yes. And would I gamble? Boy, I probably would under, again, under the circumstances that they that they have. Um, it's going to look, I, I'll say one thing for Jet fans. It's going to be a very interesting offseason. You know, we, we, we just saw what the Knicks did. And no matter what happens with the Knicks, it's going to be a very interesting offseason because in some ways they're similar to the Jets. And they've created room, they've created cap space. Now they have to convince players to come, and they've got to get them to jail. What do the Jets have to do? They have to convince players to come, and they've got to get them to jail. So in some ways, it's it's similar. And if nothing else, 
it will be entertaining, sometimes perhaps frustrating, but it will be entertaining to watch these two off-seasons uh, in New York because in some ways they're very similar. Will be interesting to watch the Nets too, considering that they have a young budding star in D'Angelo Russell, enough flexibility to create cap room for another max free agent, and they've played so much better this year, so they could really be a team to keep an eye on this offseason too. It'll yes, be fun. They have space. They have space. And they have see there what they're developing is what you want, you know, your jets to develop. And that is a little sense of uh, personality and of uh, identity. Which the Islanders, by the way, have also been able to, under new leadership, uh, been able to uh, manufacture uh, throughout the first half of the season. And we don't know if it'll last, et cetera, but it's welcome change to have people playing, players playing with optimism and a sense of pride. And what Jeff fans deserve and want and need and play for is, is players playing with a sense of pride and swagger and and, and uh, purpose and, and playing like they like each other and like they believe in, in where we're headed. The Nets right now believe in where they're headed, and the Islanders right now believe in where they're headed. So that's a big part of the, of the challenge, and that's where I'm hesitant to be optimistic about Gase. Can he get them to believe they're on their way, that we have a plan, we know what we're doing, we're not ignoring any single person on this football team, any single um, group of linebackers or defensive linemen or corners or wideouts or tight ends. We got everybody covered. You're all important to us, and we're on our way. It's been a black period for us, but that ended the day I got hired. We're going to work. Can he sell that to them? And I have my doubts. In terms of tone and direction, Chris, a lot of people don't remember this, but when Bill Parcells came in, he decided he was going to change up the uniforms because he wanted to send a message about the culture and that it was a new day here in New York. Looks like new uniforms are coming in. The announcement is going to happen soon. We don't know exactly when. Rumors are it could be April. Do you buy into that, that changing the uniforms is going to make any kind of tangible difference? And also, do you care really at all about the uniforms? Because for me, it's all about the results on the field. I could care less what the colors are, to be honest. Uh, I think that the uniform decision is a big one in that people like to change, and they like, and they, they don't. I mean, they are in a position right now where they want people to forget most of what's happened uh, in these last five or six years, for sure. So I got no problem with that. As to it being, you know, uh, some sort of a turn-the-page moment, uh, it really depends. I mean, Parcells is Parcells. You know, if everything else, <laughs> then I'd say, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's just another notch in the gun belt of a guy who knows what he's doing and is turning everything around. And, you know, I looked for the Devils and did those guns for a while. Ramirelli was big on that stuff. He changed to get rid of the devil's red and green when I first got there and changed it to red and black. So there were, you know, Christmas trees or whatever before that. And he thought black was better and tougher and, you know, sent the right message. So there are smart guys in the sports business that believe that these little things add up to something bigger. And I won't fight them on it, but again, it's, um, you know, it is just a, fraction of the change in mindset that has to happen, and no uniform will, to your point, save them from a lack of talent. You know, no uniform will, will change anything about not having players. And and really what we've been suffering from as Jet fans is purely and simply, even though we spend hours and hours talking about it, a lack of players. Just don't have good enough players. Going to be a fascinating offseason. I'm really looking forward to seeing what the Jets do in free agency in the draft and even the uniforms, only if out of morbid curiosity for if people are going to lose their minds if they don't like the uniform change. So this will be something well worth monitoring over the next couple of months. Chris Moore of CBS Radio and, of course, WFAN in New York. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. For anybody that's unaware of where they can get you, your upcoming schedule, and where they can find you on Twitter, why don't you go ahead and let them know? Uh, yeah, you can uh, find us CBS Sports Radio is on XM206 on Radio.com app. It says WFAN on the Radio.com app. 
Um, this week, I've got Saturday and Sunday night on the fan. I think 6 to 10 both nights, both Saturday and Sunday night uh, this weekend on the fan. So there'll be some jet talk, no doubt about it. And, uh, Scott, I appreciate coming on. Keep up the great work. Uh, I'll be listening, and uh, we'll all watch this play out together. It's a, it's a big puzzle. There aren't very many pieces filled in yet. The Kagan's going to get those pieces and then try to fit them into something that looks good, and we'll all watch and, and try to be optimistic as best we can that he's able to do it. Chris, thanks again so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Hope you'll come back soon. Thanks, Scott. Hey, guys. Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before, and I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week, with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next up on the roundtable, a friend of mine and somebody who knows what he's talking about when it comes to branding and marketing. So you might want to give the Jets some tips on that because I think they could use a fresh coat of paint. You can follow him on Twitter at WeRetaliateFirst, and that is because he is the president of Retaliate First Marketing, Mr. Chris Walker. Chris, what's going on, man? How'd you enjoy the Super Bowl? Hey, Scott. How's it going? Hopefully it's the last time we have to enjoy it with, without our, our beloved team in it. Yeah, let's hope so. But if that is going to be the case, the Jets are going to need to make some meaningful moves here in the offseason, both in free agency and the draft. We'll get to that in a bit, but let's start with Mike McCagney, the general manager, who's going to be making the moves. Some people wanted him to stay. Some people wanted him out. He ends up staying. What do you think of the decision by the Jets to keep Mike McCagney? I think my issue with the with the decision on Mac was really, you know, Mac should have been let go at the end of the 16 season. You know, that team was, was the roster depleted. It had quit on Todd Bowles. Um, you know, we agreed to commit to giving him this sort of three-year rebuild. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, now we're sort of coming to the end of year two, coming into year three to see what he can do. Uh, I just don't have the faith in him. You know, my, my concern is the organization as a whole seems to have these low standards, right? There's no playoff mandate. We're celebrating the fact that we got our QB, um, which we should do at the number three pick when there was, you know, arguably five quarterbacks that teams rated as first round guys. Um, I think when you, when you have that kind of low standard, it doesn't put the pressure on Mac. So, um, can I tolerate it? Yes. Um, will I be more excited if I see him make some serious moves in free agency and I, I feel the fire under his seat a little bit? I think that's what we need. You know, for us to be winners, we have to have high expectations. We gotta see 10 wins as a, a, a thing that we have to deliver every year rather than kind of a, uh, an unbelievable season. And, um, hopefully that, that's where, where this year starts. Every Jets coach going back to Bill Parcells has delivered a winning record in their first season as the new head coach. So Parcells, Al Groh, Herm Edwards, Eric Mangini, Rex Ryan, Todd Bowles, all of them, nine or more wins. Do you think Adam Gase can be a guy to continue that trend? And what do you think about the hire overall? Um, I think he has to, because I think we have to look at, at, at some of the the elements that go into you know a ten win season. Look, the Dolphins are tanking, right? They're letting uh, their their players go. They're they're sort of looking at the twenty twenty quarterback class, right? So there's two wins. You know, a lot of us Jets fans were down on Josh Allen, right? You know, we should be we should be beating Buffalo two times a year. There's there's sort of four games uh, right off the bat. And let's not forget we have a we have a fourth ranked schedule this year, right? You know, can, should we beat the Giants? You're damn right. Should we beat Oakland? Yes. Should we beat the Jags? You know, another team without a quarterback? Yes. Um, so all of a sudden, you know, what, what's that? Seven, you know, the Redskins, no quarterback. There's eight wins right there, Scotty, that, you know, we, we should expect as Jets fans. If we want to change this perception of it's not about, you know, just getting into the tournament, that it's about going on and, and being able to compete and win on, you know, win this thing, uh, that's, that's the way we have to start to look at it. You know, have those, you know, wins marked on the schedule. Um, and, and get there with with Adam Gase. You know, I I wasn't totally excited about it. Not going to lie about that. You know, I think I had uh, some guys that I probably preferred other than him. But I think you know now that you know he's our dance partner. Let's look at the positives. The positives are he knows this division. Um, you know, he has the head coaching experience. Um, 
you know, the, the thing that we need to figure out real quickly is, is, is he willing to change his style up? You know, hopefully, you know, Greg Williams is, is the example that he is as opposed to the, the uh, dual logins hire. But that's what it's going to come down to. You know, this is a guy that, you know, I believe has a great offensive mind. Um, you know, from what I've seen, you know, I, I listen to a lot of the same sources as other Jets fans. It seems like sometimes he outsmarts himself too much. You know, hopefully he just goes back and says, look, I've got a quarterback with a lot of talent. Um, you know, and, and those two things together um, allow him to simplify the game plans and allow us to score points. You know, I like that element of it, right? I, I like when our quarterback and our head coach is talking about scoring points to win games. I'm sick of ground and pound. I'm sick of, uh, you know, let's let's eke wins out and stuff like this. You know, let's let's go in and try to blow teams out. You know, I, I think that's the right kind of um, attitude. So, you know, I'm going to get on the uh, Adam Gase train and uh, encourage everyone else, you know, to kind of give him that shot. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see where the season takes us. Like you said, if he's going to succeed, the key is going to be the biggest piece, which is Sam Darnold. But he can't do it by himself. He's going to need some help. So free agency is coming up. We'll talk about the draft in a second. But first, free agency. What would you do in free agency besides Le'Veon Bell? We will save him for last. Any other guys specifically that you would target if you were the Jets? Well, you know, the Greg Williams hire opens up, a, you know, it opens up, you know, a lot of possible um, options, but it also causes a lot of headaches, right? You know, we're not built to, to run that 4-3 as, a, as our base. So I, I think, you know, we're going to have to spend a lot of time in free agency trying to, to pick up some defensive talent. You know, my number one free agent, other than Le'Veon Bell, would be getting Trey Flowers. I think he gives you that versatile end that can, can play a lot of, um, you know, can play on both sides. Um, I'd look at Grady Jarrett, who's a guy, as we all know, from the Pepper Johnson leaks um, we should have picked up in the fifth round um, in 2015. Um, you know, I think Anthony Barr could, could be the guy in there as well to, you know, to play the other uh, linebacker position opposite sort of uh, Darren Williams. I think, I think we've got to make those kind of moves, right? Because I, I just think we're, we're devoid of those 4-3 um, players. Um, and we probably need to pick up another 4-3-N, be it Dante Fowler, as long as we're not overpaying, you know, maybe a Brandon Graham or someone like that. We get one of these older players um, in there. But um, I, I think that I think actually that becomes more of a challenge. The offensive side, I'm not super excited about too much of the free agency options on that side. You know, maybe I would take a Devin Funches or someone if we could take a flyer on him as a wide receiver. And I'd look at some of the older, you know, inside linemen, uh, Paredes or Morse, maybe at center. You know, and I hear a lot of people talking about Saffold, but, you know, I'm not totally sold on him. But, you know, left guard is a need. So um, I think there's options. I think Mac has to find a way to come away with at least four, four premium players, right? And by premium players, I mean play key positions, you know, are going to be pushing for um, pro bowls. Um, while they're with the Jets. You know, he's got to find four. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I like the idea of Anthony Barr. Younger player, a ton of upside there, tremendous athlete. People forget that he's still very new to the position that he's playing because he's a converted running back and only played one year of linebacker in college. So a lot of room to grow there. That's an avenue that I would go down for sure. But in the draft, it's a different story. Very, very defense-heavy and you are not going to be looking at a player like Anthony Barr, more than likely. You're going to be looking at guys that play on the interior defensive line, so Ed Oliver and, of course, Quinn and Williams. And then you will have some outside linebackers that are pass rushers. The question, of course, becomes, are they worth that pick at number three, aside from Nick Bosa, who we expect to be gone? So, Chris, what would you do in the draft, not only at number three, but with the rest of the picks the Jets have? Um, I think number three, you're you're hoping that one of the two premium players in the draft are sitting there, right? The ideal is Nick Bosa. If he's there, you turn in the card. Um, if he's not there, I'm a big Quinn and Williams guy. You know, I, I see what the modern NFL is. I see what causes Tom Brady more headaches. That pressure up the middle, right? Like, And, you know, people are going to say, is he Aaron Donald? Aaron Donald is a generational player. Maybe he's not Aaron Donald. Maybe he's in Dominican Sioux. You know, maybe he's Fletcher Cox, who who was brilliant in the Super Bowl last year, right? That's, you know, if we can have someone that can sit in there with Leonard Williams, if we can disrupt up the middle, I'll take it all day. Um, you know, I think there is an option. Um, you know, some, maybe someone wants to trade up 
I'm all in if someone wants to trade up, and by that I mean they're willing, they're making the phone call to us, they're making the offer that gives us a haul to kind of come down. I'm going to take Quinn and Williams if we need to trade down, and by that I mean that we need to pick up the phone and say, hey, maybe you want to come up to three and get your guy, um, and we're willing to come back. Like, I don't want to go back to nine, 10, 11 if it means you know, a second and a fourth, or it means two threes or something like that. I just think that the way the draft gets out, you know, after those top two guys, I think you probably have 25 guys, you know, that could be all graded similar. And then I think sort of, you know, the second, third, fourth round gives you a lot of opportunities. I think that's where the Jets need to really build their team. You know, I'd be looking at like one of the wide receivers that, that is a, a need for us, maybe a bigger wide receiver. I don't know if Harmon from North Carolina you know, if there's a way that he maybe is sitting around in the third round, you know, or else you start to look at some of these Wisconsin linemen. You know, I'm a big Michael Beater fan. I think he could be, you know, great on the inside. I think there's a couple of centers that could potentially fall, you know, and you could start to build a line and sort of that, that you know, the two third-round picks or maybe the fourth-round pick. And then I just think at the the end of the draft, you know, you've got to look for guys that had injury concerns or, or serious character concerns and take a flyer. Um, you know, where I think we have to be realistic as Jets fans is, you know, we, we made a mistake in this year, right, sort of sticking with bowls and, and some of the, the draft picks, which really sets us back another year, you know, so I, I really look at it, we need free agency this year, we need a strong draft, you know, like um, like New Orleans had in 17 or like the Colts had in 18, um, you know, we need that this year, we need that next year to really kind of get it to where, like I said, I want us to be a championship team, I don't want us just getting into the tournament and being happy with that. So, um, you know, I think we got to play the long game a little bit. You have to play the long game, but you also have to play the short game too because Sam Darnold is on a rookie deal. So that means surrounding him with as much talent as you can, whether it's the draft or free agency, and there is no more talented player in this year's free agency or draft class than Le'Veon Bell, the multiple-time first-team All-Pro who is going to be an unrestricted free agent. What do you think, Chris? Would you be willing to give him a mega deal? Or is this something where you would proceed with caution and back off if the price wasn't right? They have to get Le'Veon Bell. They've backed themselves into a corner, right? You know, they came out with the PR piece that Kareem Hunt was someone they weren't considering. Those are the two elite running backs um, that are available, right? Running back becomes a key position for this team because what do we need? We need, you know, there to be a threat from that from the backfield that ultimately allows, you know, teams to start to stack the box a little bit, to free things up for Sam, give them that little bit more time. And it allows Robbie and Quincy to be what they are. You know, I, I love both of those players, but I see them both as like one B receivers, right? You know, we don't have that, that one A that's going to, you know, win, win contested balls. It's going to do everything that they need to be. Um, so I think we get much more out of, you know, Le'Veon Bell than just a running back. And look, I think what Jets fans have to honestly do is realize it's not our money, right? It's Woody's money. It's Chris Johnson's money. I want to see that money, you know, spent every single year. And the reason for that is, is I want to feel like the front office is willing to be competitive. You know, I don't think the Bengals are competitive. You know, I don't think the Bars are competitive for a long time because they weren't spending the money. You know, put the money where your mouth is. Be willing to balance it across the offense. You know, we're not paying Sam a lot and give him a chance to win. You know, and I think the other thing that a lot of us Jets fans have to look at is is what the new NFL is, right? There's a lot of good teams in the AFC have young quarterbacks, right? You know, we're going to have to go up against Patrick Mahomes every year. We're going to have to go up against Baker Mayfield every year. We're going to have to go up against Sean Watson, Andrew Luck. Give Sam a competitive advantage by giving him the best running back that any of those guys have. Um, that's what I would do, um, you know, and, and give give us the best chance to win and look at it by winning as a team. You know, get rid of this mindset of, right, we've got our quarterback now. Now what we have to do is get, you know, our give our quarterback as many great years and as many opportunities to win a Super Bowl as he can. We all believe Sam can do that, but he's not going to do it alone. Chris, last question. Since you are a marketing and branding guy, the Jets are going to unveil new uniforms soon enough. What do you think they need to do from a marketing and branding standpoint to make this work? And do you think the design is going to end up being a good one or a disappointing one? I'll take the last part of your question first. I think it'll be a bit of a disappointing one. Um, I think, you know, the, the issue with the Jets is is deeper than the uniform, right? This goes back to the the fan base just feels disconnected, right? You know, you get the 
fans that used to go to Shea Stadium, right? Those guys aren't there anymore. The PSLs hurt things. You know, we're in that giant gray stadium met life. You know, people aren't happy about it. Um, if I was in there and I was running things, I'd look for the throwback. You know, I'd, I'd look to try and um, tap into some of the better days. You know, I'd, I'd look at some of the Kelly Green stuff. I'd, I'd use it as a bridge to try to get back to that fan base, try to get those people to believe that, you know, hey, we're not the same old Jets, um, but, but tap into that nostalgia. You know, I think that's that's the strength that, that, you know, we don't have as a fan base, right? We don't have that 12th man because we've, we've lost who those people were. And I think the Jets have to use the new uniforms as a means to kind of, uh, you know, get that get that side of the fan base back into the stadium, back, you know, watching every game there and start to give us a home field advantage. Do I think they'll do that? No. I think we'll <laughs> we'll see some kind of uh, electric green and, and, you know, some black uniforms and things like that. Um, I can sort of see the, uh, you know, an alternative, what would be an alternative jersey starting to feel more like a Hope jersey or them tapping into the color rush stuff. But, um, you know, again, if I was calling it, Kelly Green would be the uh, the first color I'd sort of throw out there. You heard it from the man who runs Retaliate First Marketing. Go with the Kelly Green. Jets, hope you're listening because that's probably the wisest move you can make is to listen to this guy. And you should, too. Listen to him on Twitter. You can follow him there, and you can get all his great insights, not just on the Jets, but also on all kinds of marketing and venture stuff. Chris, thanks so much for coming on. For anybody that's unfamiliar with you, why don't you go ahead and tell them where they can find you. Yeah, you know, always on Twitter, always listening to guys like Scott and the rest of the Turn on the Jets crew trying to um, interject in some of those conversations. Um, you know, you'll get me at We Retaliate First um, on Twitter. You know, any questions you guys have, just just reach out. You know, happy to talk Jets all the time. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're a different kind of fan, and um, it's always great to hear kind of different opinions. And, uh, you know, we, we know that one of the advantages we all have is the front office listens to us. You know, they listened to those billboards a few years ago. So, so if uh, we need to, let's all kind of bond together and uh, storm the gates. We may have to storm the gates indeed. Let's hope we don't, though, because I would like to just see some good results. Thanks, Chris, and thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow Chris on Twitter at We Retaliate First. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.